This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. The big topic over the last 24 hours uh, has been the hiring and then the not hiring of Art Bryles with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And we have guests coming up. We have a survivor of rape, an advocate, an, an, advoc- an activist, uh, Brenda Tracy. Um, she has a lot to say about uh, the situation. She joins us at 1230 at 1 o'clock. What happens to the team brand? What do they do now? Did they do the right thing? We'll talk to an expert in sports marketing. But uh, off the top, it will be joined by... Uh, Halton Women's Place, uh, Karen Bozo from Halton Women's Place in a few minutes to talk about uh, her viewpoint uh, dealing, of course, with uh, domestic abuse and, and women undergoing problems like that. We'll talk to her in a few minutes. But if you missed it earlier today at 1030, uh, the CEO of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Scott Mitchell, got up and tried to explain uh, how they made the decision and what happened. And here is a part of that news conference. What, uh, what changed your mind? Well, I think that uh, obviously, uh, clearly, um, what was being contemplated was totally unacceptable to the general public, um, obviously, uh, um, and the media. And I think that uh, when we took a step back and, and had a chance to talk to uh, to the league and some of our partners and some of our fans, um, you know, what we what we thought was an opportunity to uh, to give somebody a second chance. Um, was clearly not acceptable in, in relation to what had previously happened and what he had, uh, what he had been uh, been involved with. So, um, I think at the end of the day, when the public is is that clear about their opposition to something, um, and I think uh, uh, you acknowledge that uh, that you've misread a situation, uh, you've got to clarify that, you've got to admit the mistake, and and you've got to. Uh, uh, be public about that with the fans and your supporters and the media, and then you got to move forward. Would you have changed your mind without the league intervention? You know what I think the um, I think the answer is yes, uh, just because of, of what we saw in terms of the public, for good reasons, uh, reaction to it, um, and their uh, um, you know they just feel very strongly, obviously, that uh, that this is unacceptable that. Uh, um, the, there may be a time and a place for uh, for Coach Bryles to coach, but it's not now. Um, so you're saying the public would feel it's unacceptable. Do you? Yeah, I think in in retrospect, I think that uh, clearly the timing was was uh, was inappropriate. Um, I think that uh, um, it was a poor decision uh, that uh, then retrospect we shouldn't have made. Um, and I think that uh, you know everything we do here demonstrates. Uh, um, Great community will. Everything we do in the community, we're very, very sincere about it. Um, and I think uh, clearly we missed the mark in terms of, uh, of the message we were sending. Who's ultimately responsible for that decision, Scott? Is it, is it June's decision? Is it yours? Is it Bob's? Oh, I don't think there's any question. Ultimately, I'm responsible uh, because uh, any, any discussion or situation like this ultimately has to be brought to me. Um, so, you know, obviously uh, I'm responsible for, for the bad decision. We should have. We should have stopped the decision. Um, I think we got wrapped up a little bit too much in the inner sanctum of football discussions uh, and, uh, and forgot about uh, very important things, about things like our standing in the community and, and how this reflects upon the, the franchise. So you said there was no moral high ground in this. What did you mean by that? Well, I think what I was referencing was, uh, you know, we had, we had thought this was an opportunity for a second chance. And I think clearly uh, 
that's, that's not good enough. Um, when, when you have an issue this serious, regardless of the circumstances, um, you can't take a moral high ground around, around a second chance. Um, it's clearly not the time and the place for a second chance, uh, and I think that's what I was referencing. What can you say to all the, the women's groups or women's abuse groups that you've, you've upset with uh, this original decision? Well, I think they have a reason to be, to be upset and concerned. I think, uh, you know, again, the circumstances of what happened down there are, uh, are you know, horrific. Um, I think it'll play itself out as to what responsibility specifically Art Bryles had, but uh, that'll play itself out in the legal ca- courts. But, uh, you know, we're, we've done everything to support um, uh, women. Uh, we've done everything to support the league's programs. Uh, um, I think you'll, you'll obviously see us do more and more of that, but uh, clearly the last thing we want to send is a message that we don't support women and families, and I think everybody who's been around this organization understands we do a tremendous amount for women and families. Uh, everything we do is actually about, from a community standpoint, is about children and children's health and welfare, um, and obviously uh, uh, mothers and women are, are an integral part of that, and uh, uh, there's absolutely no... Um, place for us sending a message that anything related to domestic violence uh, towards women is in any way, shape, or form acceptable. Can you walk us through the original decision and why you thought it was a good idea in the first place? Well, I think, yeah, I think a good idea is, is, is all relative. I think, was it acceptable or not? And I think, again, I think sometimes uh, what happens is uh, you, get, you get too involved in, in uh, making a decision without reflecting on the bigger picture of the organization. Um, um, there's a lot of people, for good reason, that support Art Bryles personally. And we heard from dozens of those people uh, who spoke to uh, Coach Bryles' ethics and standards and personality. And, uh, and um, I think at the end of the day, we probably got caught being too, uh, too myopic uh, in the coaching world and not thinking about the franchise and the message we were sending to the public. And, and as part of those discussions, did you speak to women's groups or victims absolutely. of sexual violence about what, you, what their reaction would be and whether or not this was a good decision? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, I think the overriding message is um, there's always opportunity to tell a positive message. Um, and I think uh, you, what you've seen from, from the CFL and the team's programs is that uh, um, and when I'm talking about players who've been involved in domestic violence, uh, there's a very good policy in place that we adhere to. And I think uh, on many occasions they talk about um, the worst thing you can do is, is, uh, is shun and, and, uh, and uh, um, isolate somebody if they're, if they're contrite and if they really uh, want and, and to admit their mistakes and want to improve the situation. Uh, but it's a fine line between that and somebody who's predisposed to domestic violence. When you talked to Drew yesterday, you said the league was aware of what was going on in your attempts to sign him. When did the league reach out yesterday and say, all right, maybe we misread the situation? Well, pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty quickly. And I, and I think in fairness, um, you know, I think the league was aware of it, but we could have done a better job of articulating, you know, specifically when and where uh, we were going to hire Coach Biles. So, you know, I would just say this. I think, I think Randy Ambrosi um, demonstrated phenomenal attributes as, a, as a CEO of a CEO of the CFL. He's, he's, a, he's an excellent commissioner. He, uh, he showed great leadership yesterday, and, uh, you know, he really, um, you know, he brought a lot of important issues to, to the table to us yesterday that were far more important than some of the issues that we had focused on. Why did it take that conversation for you to change your mind? Um, it, was, it was a combination of things, uh, for sure. I think, again, we, were, we, were, we saw that, that our uh, stance on this being a second chance for somebody was certainly not acceptable versus 
um, the impact that, that, that everything had happened at Baylor had had. Uh, so I think it was a combination of conversations, talking to people, um, and understanding that uh, at the end of the day, you know, our franchise is about our fans and our partners and our community, uh, and this was unacceptable to them. Bob Taylor said uh, in his uh, statement that they would have to review now the hiring policy and how you guys go about doing that. Um, what did he mean by that? Oh, I think when you when you make a mistake like this, that's absolutely necessary. I think we're going to have to look at uh, everything we do, how we hire people, both on the football and the business side. Uh, um, whether that starts with, uh, with executives on down to players, uh, so I think uh, I think that's a very necessary thing. I mean, listen, when you're when you make a mistake like this and you're in, you have a, uh, a situation, a serious situation to deal with, um, there's lessons to be learned. And I can tell you, we've learned a, a great amount in the last 24 hours. And I think a uh, a thorough um, a review of our hiring practices and how we make decisions is very important. Well, there you have it. Uh, Scott Mitchell, um, the CEO of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, There's a lot of interesting things that he talked about, but uh, we want to bring into the conversation somebody who was uh, kind of almost the first person out of the gate yesterday afternoon. I, I started to see all the uh, all the tweets and all the stuff on social media, and she uh, uh, joins us from Halton's Women's Place uh, in uh, Burlington, and uh, that is... Okay, do we have, there we go, Carm hey. Botso joins us. Carm, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Excellent. So, uh, first question, uh, Mr. Uh, Scott Mitchell talked about reaching out to the community when they were having the conversation about Arp Riles. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, did he at any point reach out to you or your organization to say, you know what, you deal with abused women and women that are in real bad situations, what do you think about this? Did they reach out to you? Not to us. Now, whether they did to the Hamilton shelters, um, I'm not sure, but definitely uh, not to Halton Women's Place. It would be interesting, though, to see if they would have, um, if they thought about uh, reaching out to women's organizations before they hired him instead of after when the backlash started. Um, I'd like to know who also was, you know, part of the decision making and in, in bringing uh, and saying yes to to Arp Riles and bringing him in. I wonder if there were any women in general uh, part of that conversation. You know, I I also find it interesting that uh, you know he talked about the football people. This. Clearly to me, smacks that this is a football situation. Oh, yeah. This is a football decision. Yep. We're not talking to our corporate sponsors. Yep. They may say they did, but I don't believe that that they did. You, one of the first ones, and I know that you tagged your husband on, on Facebook saying that's it. We're not going anymore. Yeah. Are you going to hold true to that statement? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that there needs to be consequences. I mean... Am I happy that, you know, when I woke up this morning, I had lots of emails from people to tell me that this happened. I kind of went to bed thinking that this was going to happen, that they were not going to go through with this decision because of the amazing community support um, for women's organizations and, and, and for standing up against violence against women. Um, so I, I had an inkling when I went to bed that I would wake up to this news, but um, definitely uh, would like to see consequences. I'm happy that they've done this and they've made this uh, decision quickly. Uh, that they've come to apologize, um, but I I just find that the apology is just not um, there's not much to it, uh, you know, especially from the owner. I'm really disappointed to be honest um, to say, you know what, I'm not going to fire anybody. No one's heads aren't going to roll, and and not that I want anybody to you know to see anybody lose their job, but um, I think that this was a huge huge mistake that they have agreed to, that they have said, but there needs to be something else. 
there needs to be, is there training that's going to happen? You know, are they going to bring in the women's organizations from Hamilton and, and talk to them? Um, are they going to give back to them in, in another way? I don't know. I just think that there needs to be something bigger. There needs to be consequences. First rule of parenting, what do we do when our kids are, you know, do something? We, there, there has to, we have to follow through with consequences. Yep. And I think that um, they need to do that not just for their fans in the community, but for their partners, for their stakeholders. Mm. Um, I think that they need to show that this really was a, a big mistake on their part, that they are super sorry, that they, that this was something that um, they obviously didn't think through or they thought through, like you said, as a football decision. Um, but as a, you know, as a business, you need to think about... Um, who you're hiring and what that means to everything. It's not just a bus- it's not just a football organization, right? This is a community, um, a huge community organization um, with lots of fans and 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 sponsors and donors and and uh, you know uh, partners that they had to take into consideration. One of the things that you mentioned, Karma, the statement from Bob Young, and it's uh, four lines, and I'll read the whole thing if people haven't heard. We made a large and serious mistake. We want to apologize to our fans, corporate partners, and the Canadian Football League. It's been a difficult season, and we are searching for answers. This clearly is not one of them. We've listened. We are reviewing our decision-making process. We will learn. We will go on. We want to thank our fans, partners on the CFL for their help and support. This is me saying this, Carm. This is my opinion. What a load of crap. I have to agree. I have to agree. I think that it needs it needed to be uh, more substantial. This is a very generic, um, we are reviewing our processes, we're going to look you know, to the future. Scott Mitchell said the same thing. They're moving forward, they're moving forward, they're moving forward. I think before they move forward, they need to talk about, they need to do more about what just happened uh, before, so that they can move forward. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That means just that they, you know, have let him go and they're going to search for somebody else and sorry to the community and we've listened. Um, you know, pressure was on, so they needed to make this decision. But they need to have something substantial to show the community that they do mean business. And maybe that does mean that somebody has to go. You know, it's interesting, too, in that uh, con- in the uh, news conference that you heard, uh, the CEO had mentioned that they were uh, ev- doing, uh, they've, they, they've done everything to support women. I would suggest that, that if that's the case, then they've fallen uh, very short, mm-hmm. not only uh, on the football field, but very short that way as well. Agree? Oh, absolutely, and I and I and I think you know I think that you'll may see some things happen pretty quickly, so that they are a part of uh, supporting a more women and families, like they said. Uh, so you may see that change really quickly because of this, uh, and that'll be a good thing. Um, I think what we you know when you look at this as um, some in, in a positive way, I guess what you could say is I was so um, overwhelmed with um, you know just gratitude from so many men that tweeted and went on Facebook and. Um, you know, really reached out to say how disgusted they were with this decision. It wasn't just women at all, um, actually. It was so many men saying how that they were um, really disappointed in the decision, uh, that they would not support uh, the Terracats going forward with this coach, um, and that it is more than just football. And I think that that's really important. Um, you know, he said it himself, uh, you know, on the, on the Bill Kelly show just recently, earlier, about, um, you know, they thought about it as uh, a football decision. Bob Young, same thing. You know, they're, they're in trouble, so they're looking for a quick fix. Um, and that's, that's disappointing. From a football standpoint, and I'll just throw this out, uh, what also concerns a lot of us about this situation is, and Scott Radley so brilliantly pointed this out in his column, out of the thousands of unemployed football coaches in, in North America, 
You're going to tell me that Art Bryles is the best guy for this job? There is an undercurrent to this story that people have to ask themselves, and we'll get into that that whole tangent on a sports thing later. But, but again, Art Bryles, the guy, did they not know what type of repercussions this would have? You know what? I don't think they did. I think that they thought they could get get away with it, and were surprised when they couldn't get away with it. I think that um, there is, uh, he, you know, he actually mentioned something about he, he said something in his uh, in his interview about um, people that are supporting uh, Art and know him well, and 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 what he said yesterday as well. Scott Mitchell said yesterday uh, earlier on in the day was he's a good guy that was in a bad situation. Well, there's 52 rape ac- accusations under his leadership. Yep. That is more than just a bad situation. And, you know, I feel for all those women that are part of, you know, were part of that culture uh, that happened or that scandal, that disgrace that happened at that university. We know that happens across universities and, you know, locally everywhere. Um, And I feel for women who, like women in our shelter, who um, feel as though perhaps the tiger has let them down. You know, um, there's that, you know, that, that lack of support there. Um, we're looking towards two men to be a part of the solution. At Halt Limits Place, we are proud to have two public educators in the uh, in the school systems, you know, educating children, and uh, we have great male supporters, and that's what it's about. It's about engaging our men and our boys to be a part of the solution so we can end violence against women. And this kind of went, this not kind of, it did. It is it, it, more victim-blaming, rape culture, um, and it's a, almost... You know, to say, you know, backpedaling to say, you know, okay, we did this, we, we, we said goodbye to Art, but, you know, we'll find out what's going to happen with this, these cases, the truth will come out kind of attitude in there. And by the way, we should mention, uh, Carm, coming up uh, just after the 1230 News, we're speaking uh, with uh, Brenda Tracy, a survivor of rape. Uh, she uh, has gone public with her story. It's mm-hmm. a story of bravery, but we should mention, if people think that this is all about piling on Art Bryles and piling on the Tiger Cats, the Wall Street Journal last October talked about Baylor Regent said, and, and you kind of mentioned the number, the school sexual assault scandal involved 17 women yeah. who reported sexual or domestic assault Assaults involving 19 football players, including yep. four alleged gang rapes. Yep. Art Bryles, in a meeting two days before his firing, began to weep and said, I delegated down, and I know I shouldn't have, and I had a system where I was the last to know, and I should have been the first to know. How could the Tiger Cats not have picked up on that? Uh, that's a great question. That's, that's what they need to answer to. That's what I mean. They need to answer a little bit more than we're just reviewing our process. Sorry about this. Won't, you know, won't happen again. Um, it was a bad decision. There needs to be more. There needs to be more. The community deserves more. And, I, you know, I think the players need more. I th- there's got to be, you know, the people in that organization that yesterday were saying this is not right. And it's part of no, not to be a bystander. You know, I have two boys. That's part of my daily conversations with them all the time. It's, uh, you know, I don't have girls I, that I'm raising, but I have two boys. And that's, you know, that's a huge job. And they're both into sports. And I tell them all the time that they need to respect their coaches, need to listen to your coaches, you know. Um, and that's what I think I have a, a really big issue with with uh, this hiring is because coaches are critical people in athletes' lives, right? They are like teachers and your parents. And um, I, I just think that, you know, so many – I know the Tiger Cats are older, you know, but there's still that level of you need to respect your coach, you need to listen to your coach. And so the value system has to be there. And I just have an issue – um, that our, you know, our terror cats were going to be 
coached by him. Carm Botzel from Hamilton, uh, from Halton Women's Place. Uh, thank you for taking the time. I guess on Labor Day, what I'll do, since you're not going to the game, I'll come down to your place. We'll have some wine and watch the game. How's that? Oh, I love it. All right. Thanks very much, Carm. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Well, you heard from the uh, CEO of the Hamilton Tiger Cats with his comments uh, off the top from the news conference and a lot of... A lot of things that he said were uh, are already being dissected, but we, for the next little while, we want to talk with somebody who, uh, for obvious reasons, very upset about what happened with the signing of Art Bryles and then the not hiring of Art Bryles and everything else and the statements that have gone with it. And uh, she joins us from her home in Portland, Oregon. Brenda Tracy joins us. Brenda, we want to thank you for joining us. How are you this afternoon? Hi, I'm doing good, thank you, and thank you for having me on the show. Okay, let's first of all, let's um, you you've been uh, very upset, obviously, but what happened? But let's kind of go back a little bit, and uh, and you have gone public, and it's on your blog and your website. Talk about your story and uh, why you're so passionate and upset about this story. Sure. Um, when I was a young woman in my early twenties in 1998, I was uh, gang raped by four men. Two of them were college football players at Oregon State University. I immediately reported uh, the crime. I got a rape kit done. I went to the police. I reported to the school. I did everything that I was supposed to do to pursue justice. Um, However, the backlash from my community was pretty intense. Um, I was receiving death threats. Um, People turned on me. They called me a liar. The DA said I didn't have a good case. So I just kind of tried to drop everything. I tried to move on with my life. And for the next 16 years... um, I suffered silently, basically. I, I dealt with depression and suicidal ideation and a lot of the you know, the same things that many survivors go through. But in 2014, I decided to come back forward again with my story. Um, an investigation was done, and we found out that uh, the DA lied to me. There were taped confessions from all four of the men who raped me. Um, the police did not test my rape kit. They threw away all my evidence. Um, there was basically a cover-up because the school was trying to raise money to build a football stadium. So I know exactly what it feels like to know that football is more important than my life. I've been there. I've done that. And it's not okay that winning takes priority over human life. And what happened at Baylor is very similar to what happened to me. And my rape happened almost 20 years ago. It's unacceptable that it's still happening today. And Art Bryles was a huge part of making that environment possible at at that school. And so uh, very upsetting that he would possibly have found a job a job there it, at the CFL. You know, um, it's it's interesting only because people will recognize the name. The coach in 1998 when you suffered your attack uh, from uh, the Oregon State football players uh, was Mike Riley, who was a coach in the CFL yes. with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He is now coaching at Nebraska. You finally had a chance to confront him all those years later. Tell us about that. I did, yeah. Back in 1998, after my story broke in the news and I dropped the charges and and decided not to pursue a criminal conviction, Coach Riley went on record as saying, these are really good guys who made a bad choice Um, and kind of referred to the whole thing as kind of like a mistake, right? Like what we heard today in the the news interview. Um, And I harbored a lot of resentment for him. I was very angry with him. He also gave them a one-game suspension. And for many years, I was very upset with him. And, and when I came forward with my story again in 2014, um, 
he uh, apologized, and I did. I went to Nebraska. I sat down with him. I talked with him. We had a, a lengthy conversation for about an hour and a half. I explained to him how much I hated him for what, you know, how he handled the situation and, and not even not even thinking about me or considering what I was even going through, um, but just protecting them. And um, that went really well. Coach Riley really, you know, he apologized to me. He held himself accountable for his behavior. I spoke with his football team, and we're friends to this day, actually. Um, that was a, a big moment for me in my healing process. What went through your mind when you heard the story yesterday that the Tiger Cats, uh, at this point, had agreed to sign Eric Bryles to join their coaching staff? I was upset, and I, and I didn't understand how that conversation even went or how it concluded with, yes, we should hire this guy. Um, it just it boggled my mind, and I was really angry. And I was also angry that it seemed like the press release saying we're hiring him and bringing him on didn't even mention Baylor. I mean, for a person who didn't know, um, it just said how great of a coach he was. It didn't say anything about the scandal that he is still actually involved in. I mean, we're still getting information coming out from Baylor, and still all the lawsuits are not settled and everything. So I just I didn't understand what was the exact conversation that had to happen for these people to come to the conclusion that this was a good idea to bring this man in. You know, um, one of the things, and our guest is um, Brenda Tracy, who uh, was uh, is a survivor of rape, a gang rape uh, from Oregon State football players in 1998. Uh, one of the things, it, it was an actual, uh, the story that really got people's attention, Brenda, was the Wall Street Journal interview with uh, Baylor Regents, who talked about uh, the school sexual assault scandal, 17 women reported sexual or domestic assaults involving 19 football players, including four alleged gang rapes. And Art Bryles was saying, I delegated down and I know I shouldn't have. I had a system where I was the last to know and I should have been the first to know. So while he was not involved in the assaults, clearly he it sounds like he's, you know, in many ways trying to wash his hands of this situation. Absolutely. I just I haven't seen any really accountability taken um, by him or, or the staff. I, I still hear a lot of, you know, he's a great guy and, you know, he didn't do this type thing. But, you know, he may not have been directly involved in an assault, but he cultivated, a, at the very least, he cultivated and supported an environment where these things were allowed to happen. And the idea that a head coach doesn't know what's going on on his team is ridiculous to me. I just don't believe that for one second. I think that, um, and the idea to say, you know, that the assistant coaches do not know. That's ridiculous to me. I think that coaches know what's going on on their teams. Um, they talk, especially about these things, right? Especially if it's something to do with something that could threaten the eligibility or the playing time of a player, they're going to know. They're going to talk about it. Um, if it's something to do with a criminal thing, they're going to know. So I just, I'm not buying any of it. I think that people are trying to, you know, minimize the issue and act like I didn't have anything to do with it, but they're complicit. And for me, you're just as guilty as the, as the person committing that crime. If you're covering it up, if you're minimizing it, if you're ignoring it, if you're not doing the right thing, you are just as guilty to me. Because quite honestly, I can rationalize a rapist. That is what they do. They hurt people. I cannot rationalize good people not doing the right thing. And it's not okay what happened there.
And one of the things that you mentioned, and you wrote a great blog about this yesterday, is uh, in essence uh, taking umbrage with uh, what Scott Mitchell said when he said Art Bryles deserves a second chance. And you're kind of waving your arms up, rightfully so, saying, where was my second chance? Exactly, exactly. And where, and where, where is the discussion about the survivors? You know, when Scott Mitchell was on the radio doing an interview earlier today, um, and actually in all of his interviews, did, they, did anybody sit down and talk with a survivor? Did anybody ask any of us how this has impacted our lives? What, what our lifelong consequences are? You know, we're so worried about these second chances for Coach Art Bryles and these athletes. Well, you're right. Where is the survivor's second chance? What about their ability to move on from something that is, that is this devastating and being able to go to school, pursue their dreams and these types of things? I just really feel like, you know, a survivor never gets the opportunity to go back to their life the way that it was before, and either should our bryos. There are consequences for your actions, and there are consequences for some inactions. And he's saying those consequences right now. And quite frankly, second chances don't have to involve coaching football. What do you think, uh, perhaps, uh, I'm not asking you to put yourself in our Bryle situation, but taking that one step further, uh, what does he do? What do you think? Uh, what should Art Bryles maybe kind of, as you say, maybe not in football, but kind of take a different path now uh, that, that life's given him? Well, I think, you know, let's be realistic. He's, he's what, 61 now? Yep. Um, he, my guess is that he was paid millions of dollars in the settlement with Baylor. Um, he doesn't have to have a job, you know, to live, right? He he could retire. And I think the noble thing of him to do would to be to take accountability for his part in this mess, apologize, and then say out of respect, I'm gonna I'm gonna retire. I'm not gonna pursue trying to coach playing football anymore because I see how much pain and division it's causing. And so I'm gonna do the right thing and just step aside. And that would that would be what I would like to see him do. I don't know that he will. Um but, you know, keep it, him just continuing to fight for, you know, his reputation or validation or vindication or whatever it is, I just, it's time to stop. <laughs> it's, it's time to stop. It, he, he's causing a lot of pain, and he just continues to cause more pain. Um, I don't know, um, Brenda, if you heard the statement today released by the owner of the Tiger Cats. It's basically four lines, uh, and I'll read it to you. It's, uh, we made a large and serious mistake. We want to apologize to our fans, corporate partners, and the CFL. It's been a difficult season, and we're searching for answers. This clearly is not one of them. We have listened. We are reviewing our decision-making process. We will learn. We will go on. We want to thank our fans, partners in the CFL for their help and support. Your reaction to that statement? I appreciate the intention of the statement. I think right now, though, I think what we need to look at it. I think we need to consider uh, the words of Scott Mitchell, which for me are very tone deaf. Um, I think we need to talk about the fact that there's someone on staff, I think it's the GM, who pleaded guilty to sexual assault of a teenager. So there's some issues going on in the organization. I think we need to figure out, you know, what type of education needs to happen for our not only our players, um, but our staff, and what type of programs do we need to bring in. Um, maybe let's sit down with a survivor and talk with them and try to understand this on a human level. Um, I, I, w I want more than just an apology. I want to see some action taken about this. Like, how are we going to make sure that this type of thing doesn't happen again? Um, what are we going to do? What does it look like to actually do better? 
You know, you uh, uh, talk about the situation in Baylor, and, and it is so deep, and there's so many layers to the onions, but there was another interview last November with 60 Minute Sports where former Baylor Title IV coordinator Patty Crawford said, hundreds of students approached her with complaints of sexual assault in less than two years on the roll, and she repeated her claim that she never had the authority, resources, or independence to do the job. And I find it interesting that in response, a Baylor spokesperson said Crawford got three salary increases, workspace expansion, a growing Title IV budget, and a $12,000 office-wide three-day spa retreat funded by the university. That smells like a cover-up to me. Yeah, I, I think that Patty Crawford um, was in a difficult position. Um, she's she's their Title IX coordinator, or was. And I yeah, think Title IX. I said four. Was, sorry. Yeah, Title IX. Yeah, it's sorry. okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, and I think that she was not she was not given um, the authority to do the things that she wanted to do. I think that Baylor was really just trying to put a person in that position to say that we have someone there, um, and she wanted to do a good job. And I don't think she was allowed to do to do her job. And I think that that just makes sense when you look at the culture of what was happening. Um, two ESPN reporters, Paula Levine and Mark Schleybach, put out a book called Violated. And it goes over the timeline of what happened at Baylor. It's a, it's a great book. I would encourage everyone to read it because it really talks about how this came to be, right? The intersection of of violence and sports and religion and how all of it created this perfect storm um, to, to be, you know, the Baylor scandal that it is today. So um, I think Patty tried, but I think she was kind of, she was in a, a, a lose-lose situation from the very beginning. Let's take this one step further now that I've got, and I don't know why I said four, but I was always bad at math in school. Uh, can you tell our <laughs> listeners, can, can you tell our listeners here that maybe don't know, what is Title IX all about down as far as NCAA football? Well, Title IX originally was um, a law, a federal law enacted, and, and most people know it for um, equality in sports, right, so that, you know, girls get the same amount of um, access to sports and teams and things like that as the boys do. Um, but in most recent years, um, especially during the, our Obama administration, Title IX started focusing on the idea that you're allowed to be in a safe environment on your campus, free from sexual assault and and rape and harm and that type of thing. So we had a Dear Colleague letter, um, that's what it's called, that went out from uh, the president in 2011. And from there, all of our universities were supposed to be addressing this issue. They basically were told, you need to start taking campus sexual assault uh, seriously. You need to have a Title IX coordinator in place to be able to do investigations and address these issues. Because what was happening is that women were reporting sexual assault and nothing was being done. Um, it was just being swept under the rug, and, you know, our statistic here in in America is one in five. One in five women will be the victim of a completed rape or an, uh, an attempted rape while they're in college. It's an epidemic here, and we were not dealing with it, and schools were not dealing with it. So Title IX is meant to, um, you know, enforce the law and protect our students. That is actually a staggering figure when you consider that there's, what, 300 million people in the states that one in five college students will be sexually assaulted at, at some point of their university days. That That's mind-boggling to me. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. And it is horrifying. And we've continued to have climate surveys that are coming back that, 
people on our campuses are still reporting that. And then, of course, you know, if you, you know, men are also victims. If you are a person of, um, if you're, you know, transgender or in a specific uh, marginalized population, the rates go up. Um, so it's a huge problem here in our in our country, and it's something that I'm really, you know, trying to work on uh, to battle. But, you know, doing things, you know, a lot of this is about messaging, right? And so when you hire our Bryles, you're basically saying what happened to Baylor doesn't matter and what happened to these survivors doesn't matter. I mean, that's the overarching message. And whether that's in Canada or, or here in the U.S. or wherever, it's the same message. And, and my message is women matter. Human beings matter. Life matters. And we cannot continue to have these people in these positions anymore. It's not acceptable. Um, I also, and, and I was kind of waiting for this, and I don't know if you, you heard the whole thing, but uh, the Tiger Cats are now kind of saying, okay, we've put this behind us, and now let's focus on the big sellout game against our arch rivals on, uh, on, on Labor Day. Um, if you have a message for the fans, um, what would that be? Well, I think what's important here is, is yes, a good decision was made, but I think what's important here is, is the first decision. And how, what type of environment and culture is going on at the CFL with this team or the entire organization that would make this decision okay? You know, it, it, it's great that we rescinded the decision, but what was going on in the first place? And those are probably the issues that we need to address. You know, is there a culture issue going on? Is it a lack of education? What's happening that that decision was even made in the first place? So there's a problem there, right? And we need to address it. Brenda, before we let you go, I, I, and I know that, that you, uh, you, know, you go cross-country with your blog and you're speaking, what have you, uh, and you kind of touched on it. Uh, is the situation down in Baylor University still toxic with uh, a lot of stuff still to be un, un, um, that hasn't been solved yet? Well, I think Baylor's obviously making an effort to change some things. Um, they've implemented a lot of different recommendations. They have a good football coach down there now. Um, but, you know, you're talking about a culture that took years to, to cultivate and create. So I don't think the turnaround is going to be as fast as what some people are saying it is. Um, but, you know, time will tell. But I think these are things you have to stay on top of, right? They're not things that just happen, and then you just move on the next day and everything's fine. You have to stay on top of these things and make sure that they're um, getting corrected. Um, otherwise, things will just go back to the way they were. So I don't think anything's fixed, but I'm hopeful that we just have to stay on the, on the issue and be hypervigilant and keep pushing, and that someday it could be different. Brenda Tracy, a survivor of rape, an advocate, and an activist. Um, and you can, uh, by the way, follow her uh, her blog and uh, her information at brendatracy.com. Uh, thank you for taking the time to, to join us. I congratulate you for your bravery. And uh, trust me, the vitriol that you've been uh, seeing on uh, Twitter is just a little bit of what's been happening. There are so much outrage in this city over what happened Uh and we're all just kind of shaking our heads, and the big question remains, why? Thank you for your time, and hope to talk to you again at, at some point down the road. Thank you so much. That's Brenda Tracy. Quite the story. You know, just before we uh, take the break, and I'm not going to get into the whole I'm an old guy and uh, back in the day, but uh, I've, I've lived here all my life. You know, I've worked in other cities, what have you, and, and I grew up 
I was a Tiger Cat fan. I covered this league for 30 years in various forms and capacities, and I've seen teams go bankrupt and what have you. The only thing that remotely uh, resembles what has happened was uh, what happened back in 1971 for people who are of of my vintage who may remember. And I'm not saying that this is the case because it's not even close to what happened. Everybody's saying this is the worst day, the worst period in Tiger Cat football history. Yeah, I would say the second is back in 1971 when three members of the Tiger Cats were booted off the team, basically fired because they had marijuana. And that was back in 71, way before all that stuff started. I remember the outrage and, and how could they then. But that doesn't even come close to what happened here. So if uh, p- people say that this is the, um, the worst, um, yeah, I, I'd say it is. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. We will continue for now until the bottom of the hour. And by the way, we do have, do have some, um, some comments that were posted and sent to me on Facebook about the, the whole situation with the Tiger Cats. We'll get into that in just a, a couple of minutes. But right now to talk about uh, the final part of the Art Bryles puzzle and what happened, the debacle that was yesterday, is Richard Scabetti, who is a sports business professional and the president of Core Planning and Insights and the writer of businessofsports.com. And I understand did some work for the Philadelphia Flyers, so you're okay by my books. Russell, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, Ted. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. You know, I, I, I did mention off the top that, that you did some work with the Flyers, and I've been a Flyer fan for a lot longer than people uh, know, so you, you're okay in my books. That, we'll just say that off the top. I, lo- I love working, and for those fans, they, there's one thing they are, they are passionate. It was, uh, I had a blast working down there. All right, so let's uh, talk about what happened now. Uh, yesterday, the Tiger Cats, of course, announcing the hiring of Art Bryles as an assistant head coach. There was immediate backlash, vitriol on the Twitter uh, and Facebook social media accounts, back and forth. Um, off the top, Tiger Cats issued a statement, uh, basically, from their owner saying, and I'll read this to you, I don't know if you had a chance, I said, we've made a large and serious mistake. We want to apologize to our fans, our corporate partners in the CFL. It's been a difficult season. They're 0-8. We're searching for answers. This clearly is not one of them. We've listened. We're reviewing our decision-making process. We will learn. We will go on. We want to thank our fans, partners in the CFL for their help and support. I say that's a rather weak apology. Your thoughts on that, Russell? I mean, they, they clearly underestimated what the reaction was going to be. Uh, and they, you know, this is a, a, a person who has a lot of controversy around them, leaving Baylor. Uh, some, he still denies it to, to this day, but clearly there was enough to fire him, and, and that's been something hanging over that university's head ever since. Um, this, this isn't something they could have just decided on a whim. I'm sure this should have been weeks and weeks of discussion, pros and cons, talking to legal, talking to the PR, the partnerships team, they must have felt comfortable enough with whatever backlash they expected, uh, but clearly there was way more than expected, and, and I at least give them credit for making the decision as quickly as they did to change their mind. They just completely misread the situation uh, to move forward at all. In my mind, they uh, misread a, a total uh, aspect of, of this, and you talk about they talked to uh, Tiger Cat said this has been in planning stages for weeks, and they talked to uh, people. I would suggest uh, the intimation seemed to be that they talked to basically football people to get the Art Bryles uh, referral, so to speak, but in my mind, they missed a whole opportunity when this thing was being uh, cultivated that they should have talked to 
to some uh, women's shelters in Hamilton, to some sexual abuse, uh, possibly survivors or people like that, to kind of get their thoughts. Did they entirely miss the boat on that? It's hard to say. I think you'll ever get a clear answer in terms of how much due diligence or what type of due diligence they, they did. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I live in the States. I don't think he's going to ever see a job in the NFL or in the college space ever again. Maybe the, the thought was it's far enough removed. Maybe there's the perception of him that might be different. But, yeah, whether you talk to women's shelters, I'm sure, honestly, if you just talk to the partnerships team, I mean, if, to be honest, the biggest one of the biggest driving factors is probably as much the partnerships and the revenue side of the business as it is the the PR and the community side. I mean, immediately, corporate partners were very clear in terms of their response of, of what they thought of this decision. And so now they're alienating the fans and cutting off their revenue streams. Uh, both of those had to be a, a very important factors. And that one they should have really had a, a better gauge on, even if they hadn't gone out to the community first. You know, it was interesting that the CFL uh, basically, well, that the, the owner said, uh, CFL Randy Ambrosi, saved, he's the CFL commissioner, uh, he put this out yesterday saying he saved the Tiger Cats from a major blunder today. Kind of makes me think that, uh, to your point, they really had no idea what they were doing if, they, if they're last night crediting the CFL for getting them out of a rather sticky situation. The truth let's be honest, the truth about any of these decisions when it comes to the team operation side of hiring and signing an athlete, hiring a coach, whatever it might be, they're going to always make the decision that they think is best for the sport. And now the team, the organization's willingness to accept that usually depends on how impactful that person truly is going to be. I mean, you see this in sports all the time. The superstar athlete is always going to have maybe a little more freedom. People are willing to overlook a little more but in a way, no offense to any coaches out there, I mean, it's even harder when you think about the, now this is a coach, what type of impact is he really going to have? The team operations is still only thinking about what's happening on the field, but now you don't even have that extra you know, justification, if you will. I mean, there really is no justification, but that's the attempted justification, right? How much impact a coach or a player can have on what's happening on the field. I can't see any situation where the impact would have been really worth it. I'm wondering now, uh, from um, a marketing standpoint, uh, has their brand, and I know that one of the uh, great stories yesterday was that a a corporate sponsor, Barry's Jewelers, first out of the gate, uh, talking about how upset they were. We don't know if they pulled their sponsorship or not, but, but they were the first corporate sponsor to publicly lead the charge. How much damage has been done to the Tiger Cat brand by this? Uh, I think their speed to reaction will actually go quite a ways to mitigate the damage. You know, there, there's clearly, as since we're having this discussion today, there's clearly that immediate reaction. People are going to question or, or look at things, any decisions they make with a, maybe a, a, you know, a finer level of detail moving forward, a little bit more pressure on them to go above and beyond, maybe do extra to kind of get the, uh, the dirt from this decision uh, away from them. But their, their quickness to realize and acknowledge the mistake and how short of a window we're talking about, I think the, the long-term damage will be pretty minimal. 
You know, I found it interesting that the president or the, or the CEO or the Tiger Cats was talking earlier today about how much uh, they reacted when this first hit uh, the uh, the social media sphere that a lot of it happened. Uh, they were concerned or they they not concerned, but a lot of it happened in the States, and that's when they kind of noticed, and they really didn't uh, care. It, it seemed to me that they, that's a lot of spin, because it seemed uh, most of the vitriol came from this city and from southern Ontario. Could they have maybe m- missed the boat, thinking that, uh, you know, this was not a, that big of an issue in the States? Well, no, I mean, in the States, it's a huge issue. Maybe the, maybe they thought the name, the, the name recognition wouldn't carry through as much to, to Hamilton. Maybe they thought, and then in turn, the folks in the U.S. market wouldn't care as well. I think they probably got it from both sides. They probably underestimated that the folks locally would know the name, know, what, know what's associated to him, and hence the local response. Plus, let's be, I mean, people that have that unfortunate association uh, from any professional team, uh, athlete or coach, you know, anytime they go somewhere else, there's going to be a reaction. So they got the U.S. reaction just because of how much we're monitoring sports. And you want, the local reaction was still very aware of what he was associated with. It, it, they probably got it from both sides. So this now is uh, is this now a bigger issue? Because what I saw, there was a lot of uh, talk on some of the uh, national publications in the states. Is this now uh, becoming a bigger issue than maybe uh, in the states and the Tiger Cats would have liked? Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, there is that old saying: any publicity is good publicity. But I, I don't think that's true here. I mean, this is not the type you want. Um, you know, they're they're definitely getting more news coverage in the U.S. and globally about this. Uh, but that's that's the news, the news cycle is short. You know, I do think this is gonna it's gonna spike, it's gonna peter out, and everything will kind of go back to the norm. I think the the legacy or the the true fallout for something like this is making everyone else realize like like uh, if you can't be a good example, be a bad warning. Like this is the warning to everyone else that you cannot underestimate. The, the response that you will get from these types of decisions, and you always need to have a much uh, greater evaluation of what the response is going to be, not just thinking about what happens on the field. All right, we'll follow this and uh, and see what happens. Russell Scabetti, uh, sports business professional, president of Core Planning and Insights, a writer also with the Business of Sports dot com. I know in your in your planning for crisis management, something like this always comes up. So uh, I know I I know you always tell your clients be prepared just in case. So so hopefully uh, this thing, as we say, will calm down. But at the very least, it has drawn a lot more attention to this issue, and uh, hopefully uh, in the end that will matter a lot more than what happens on the football field. Thank you for the time and hope to stay in touch soon. You're welcome. That's uh, Russell's Cabetti, as we mentioned. Now, before we uh, we take the break, we uh, and we will uh, change gears uh, coming up at 1.30, uh, a lot of comments coming in. By the way, you can call us at 905-645-3221 or on the cell at Star 9900. A lot of comments coming in uh, to the uh, uh, Facebook uh, page, uh, my own personal Facebook page today, uh, talking about um, the statement from Bob Young. Right off the top, uh, somebody said uh, the statement, that's not going to be enough. Can't make a judgment's last decision like this and say, oops, are bad. The only thing that would save them in the public eye is to fire Scott Mitchell, uh, Mitchell, essentially throw him under the bus. They won't, so they're going to have to take the heat until this fades away. Somebody else uh, sent uh, a Facebook message. Mr. Young, your team is in a big mess. 
It's making bad and stupid football decisions. You are its ultimate leader. It makes you and the CFL look bad, stupid. So get this thing fixed right. Uh, another uh, Facebook message. Uh, really, Bob? That's all you can come up with? So if the fans don't speak out, you and your staff are willing to be okay with this? Shame on all of you. Boycott the worst team, management and ownership in the league. Uh, and thank you for that comment as well. Somebody said fans should stay away from the Labor Day game in droves. It's interesting because had this come up yesterday, and we actually were talking yesterday with um, when we were setting up the program that if – uh, there was no decision on Art Bryles. If it had have remained status quo, then Carmbozzo at Halton Women's Place was talking about somehow uh, saving some sort of a protest at the stadium on Monday on, on Labor Day with the national media there to point out the fact that this is incorrect. Uh, it doesn't really matter uh, now, but that's kind of one of the things that we were going to uh, mention. And we want to bring in uh, Luke Vermeer, our technical producer, in on this conversation because you and I had this conversation, we Luke, did. a while ago. And we were actually talking yesterday. And you're and I feel bad for the season ticket holders because they've spent their money and they've already made their, their outlay. And now they have tickets for the game. And people are saying we're going to boycott the game and not go. But that's not that easy when you have already spent your money for the game and you're in a prime situation like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I have tickets on Monday. And they're the only tickets I have this year. I have a wedding coming up in a month yep. and we could only afford to go to one game. So, of course, I picked this game. Yep. And... Uh, I love Labor Day dearly. It's my favorite of sporting event yep. every year, truly. And I hate that this this is ru- like this has ruined it. And I, and I understand that's small in in comparison to things, but it really just makes me so angry that that uh, on Monday that that yesterday there was a good chance I wasn't even going to go to the game. Was there though? I I truly I truly believe that because I'm going with my fiance, I'm going with a um, dear friend of mine and his wife. And it would have been a conversation. Uh, and and me, the giant football fan and him, the giant football fan were really not feeling good about the about supporting a team that 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 would do something like this and and so we there was a genuine chance we weren't going to go to the game now we probably will because art Bryles will not be on the sideline and thank goodness for that but it still kind of has marred what how much fun we would have had at the game but then i would suggest to you playing devil's advocate which i do that when kickoff starts and Art Browse will be the farthest thing from your mind because you'll be wrapped up in the football game when we all know what Labor Day is like, but you'll watch the game and you'll be pulling for the local team and this issue will be the farthest thing away from your mind. And if they win, even more so. I don't I don't know that it will, Ted. And that's that's I think for me and for a lot of fans, that's what what is the worst part is that it's not going because it just happened. Like if this was maybe a month before, I could see what you're saying. Absolutely. But because we're talking less than a week before the game, I don't I don't know that I'm going to be able to just put it out of my mind. And I mean, you you know this because because uh, you, you saw it on social media last night. It was it's it really got to me. It, it really, really got to me. And what got to me more than anything else was Bob Young uh, tweeting out that. The commissioner saved the Tiger Cats from, from a, a major m- blunder. A major blunder, yeah. That made me so angry because you know what? It's indicative of something that I've been saying 
privately for for years now since the stadium debacle Go public. That, yep. that bob young is a sunshine and rainbows owner that all he cares about is being the beloved guy that never does anything wrong and anytime anything negative has to come out about the tiger cats anything at all we're talking the stadium we're talking the soccer team it's scott mitchell because scott mitchell is his hatchet man and you can say bad things about scott mitchell and and i'm sure many people will i'm sure i could say bad things about scott mitchell and the way he's handled this situation and other situations but to me bob young not stepping up and taking responsibility for this decision, for tweeting out that he would, that the team was saved from a blunder, that this the, the implication of that tweet is that is that Bob wasn't a part of that decision, which is nonsense. It's absolute nonsense because he was he is the ultimate decision maker on anything to do with this team, and he certainly would have had been able to say no to this move if he had wanted to, but he didn't. And for him to step back and his statement today and his tweet yesterday, he is trying to remain caretaker Bob, the guy that everybody loves and never does anything wrong. And I'm sick and tired of it. I am sick and tired of it. All right. And that's Luke Vermeer, who uh, very passionate about that. And we will have one more comment before we wrap up and uh, for the time being put a, put a bow on uh, what has been a very, very emotional point, rightfully so for the, uh, the city of Hamilton, a Facebook post from Mark. What a pathetic rebuttal. He's talking about the Bob Young statement today. What a pathetic rebuttal that was. You mean to tell me you needed the Hamilton CFL fan base and community to tell you this was a bad deal? Absolutely ridiculous. Your hiring team, management, and PR team should be reassessed. Your season isn't the only thing that's messed up. Take a look into that. Signed, a bitter Tiger Cats fan. Okay. Time to take a breath and uh, kind of step away from this. And it, it will be very interesting to see if people are really upset and really going to do this. Like the, on, on a totally unrelated topic, kind of, the, the NDP sent out a news release that they praise the CFL for the Bryles decision. Scott Duval, former Hamilton counselor, who, of course, is now uh, an MP, said, I'm a season ticket holder. Last night I was ready to cancel it. He said, but I'm pleased the decision was remedied immediately. I'm now happy to invite colleagues to a game. Really, Scott? I'd like to see somebody say, I'm not going to the game, but I don't think that's going to happen. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.